Hi, this is London Gatch, and I'm so excited to be a part of the Overflow Beyond the Music podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Overflow Beyond the Music podcast. My name is Josh McCabe, and I'm your host. Thank you so much for coming out, and um, well, coming out. Thank you so much for downloading and hanging out with us virtually. That is uh, much appreciated. And um, we've been we've been having a blast with this podcast, and the feedback we got on our couple episodes on mental health really just blew me away. And I'm so glad that we decided to dive into some of those subjects. There was so much audio content that we couldn't get to, um, and that's a good thing. I mean, there was just so so much content that I really, really, really wanted to get in there, but uh, we just didn't have enough time to fit it all in. So we will hopefully maybe find a way to use some of that, uh, some of those clips a little bit later in some other episodes, and uh, we'll figure out a way to make it happen. You know, I got to tell you, keeping up with this podcast lately has been a little tough. Um, as I was saying, I just moved to Nashville recently and have been... I've been traveling a fair bit, mostly inside of Canada, although I'm heading to California tonight to do a few shows with my band Caves, which I'm pretty excited about. But it's been interesting just doing interviews in hotel rooms and uh, wherever I can find a room that's going to be quiet enough to uh, catch up with someone over the phone or however that looks. And the editing as well has just been a lot. We got a lot of content. We got uh, so many different episodes coming up that have actually already been recorded. I really wish I could just release them all for you right now, but you're going to have to stay a little patient because some of these are, wow, all of them are worth waiting for. There's some really, really great guests coming up and some really great content that I cannot wait to share with all of you guys. As always, the best way to stay in touch with us is through Instagram. That's where we're going to attempt to be the most active uh, as far as social media is concerned. And so you may be wondering when a new episode's coming out. You may be wanting some sneak peeks, uh, or you maybe just want to let us know a guest or an artist you'd love us to have on for a conversation. Social media is great because we can connect with you, our listeners, find out who you are, find out your story, find out if anything in this podcast is really resonating with you. And maybe we'll be taking some questions from you guys. Maybe we'll give you a chance to ask some of uh, your favorite artists or favorite guests uh, whatever questions you'd like to know about their journey. And we definitely want to open that up for you on the Instagram platform. So here's what you're going to do. You're going to want to go on your Instagram app and you're going to want to type in The Overflow BTM. That's The Overflow BTM. And that's where you will find our little Instagram hub for this podcast. Now, I've been asked a few times lately what I have personally been listening to lately because one of the great things about uh, the internet and streaming is that we can go check out music that we might not have otherwise, you know, gone to a store and picked up a CD of an artist we've never heard of before. And so uh, I thought I would just take a second and tell you some of the albums that I've been spinning lately. Of course, I'm always spinning podcasts. I love podcasts or else I wouldn't be doing a podcast. But some of the music I've been listening to, I got to be honest, I've got a little bit of an eclectic palette lately. So get ready for this one. So here, my, my number one that I've been spinning a lot lately is a new Bethel music album called Victory Is Yours. It's so great. I mean, my favorite song on it is a song called Promises Never Fail. 
And it's really been speaking to me personally, really encouraging me. And um, it was actually when we moved here, we went to church on our first Sunday and uh, this song was being led and the album hadn't come out yet. And uh, the, the bridge just says, I am standing on every promise you have made. I will see it come to pass in your name, in your name. And that spoke to me in a way that I cannot even describe. And I just love how songs have the ability to really just say what our heart is feeling and really just resonate. So that album for me has been huge right now. It's called uh, "The Victory Is Your" or called "Victory Is Yours" by Bethel, and you can listen to that wherever you listen to music. Whether you're a buyer or a streamer, or uh, maybe you're old school and still love the old compact disc. Uh, that's cool with me too, man. It's convenient and, uh, well, maybe not convenient. It's, it's, I guess, reliable. You don't need internet for that. So whatever you want to listen to it on, make sure you go check out Bethel Music's The Victory Is Yours. All right, the other album I've been getting into lately. Uh, I listened to another podcast that uh, featured John Cooper of Skillet being interviewed and talking about a ton of different things, everything from scripture and faith and kind of that weird balance of being a Christian band, but being accepted by the mainstream world and uh, it was kind of all in promotion for his new album from his side project called fight the fury and i gotta tell you it reignited the metal kid in me i dig it it is heavy it's hardcore it's i don't know i'm i guess i want don't want to use the wrong word to describe it because people can be a little bit protective of their genres i find the artists usually aren't don't really care what you call it but some people the fans they care what you call it but it is heavy we'll say that it is real heavy lyrically instrumentally love it john cooper just delivers on fight the fury and they're gonna be heading out on tour where john's doing double duty opening up for breaking benjamin um you'll be breaking benjamin skillet under oath and fight the fury it's gonna be a great great tour um, so if you're a rock fan, you make sure you check that out. It's going to be a good time. Now, the third might surprise you a little bit because I, I don't know. I don't know what's happened to me lately, but I've got to say I've become a little bit of a fan of country music. Just saying. And while this artist may be defined more as pop lately than country, um, man, I am digging Thomas Rhett. I I love his stuff. Um, I think he's such a great songwriter. I think it's catchy. And I got to tell you, this podcast is not just for music that we would put in the CCM bubble. This music or this podcast is for music that um, in telling stories of artists and their faith journey. And, you know, I'll be honest, like, I don't know Thomas Rhett personally. I know uh, he's a man of faith and, and I've heard amazing things about him. His songs are awesome. Super catchy. And, um, you know, maybe one day we'll get him on the podcast to talk a little bit about his faith journey. But I want to remind you, this this podcast was always started that it wouldn't just be about Christian music and Christian musicians, but this podcast would go beyond the music and would get into the lives and the journey of artists. And because I really believe once you understand an artist's journey, you'll understand more about the music that they write. And maybe one day we'll have somebody on who who maybe used to uh, be involved in church or a worship leader or whatever and and left the church and, and hear more about that struggle of faith and where they're at now because uh, sometimes I think we're, we're really quick to point the finger and judge somebody's journey without ever hearing their story. So um, I really am just looking forward to diving into some really unique things on this podcast and I really, really thank you for, for joining me on that journey as well. 
So enough of my rambling, though, because we have an incredible guest this week. And um, I first became aware of of this guest. Her name is London Gatch. Uh, when I was attending Elevation Church in Toronto for about a year, and she was one of the main worship leaders with Elevation Worship and a significant writer with them as well. And uh, just has an incredible voice, an incredible story. And I learned a lot about her journey that I had no idea about before we got a chance to chat in this interview. So let's head on in there. Let's head to our interview portion. This is myself. My name is Josh McCabe, in case you forgot, with London Gatch here on the Overflow Beyond the Music podcast. All right. Well, I have got on the line with me here. Um, she's coming from uh, North Carolina right now. We've got London Gatch on the line on the Overflow Beyond the Music podcast. London, tell me how you're doing this morning. I'm great, um, but I'm actually in South Carolina. South Carolina. <laughs> Whereabouts in South Carolina are you? South Carolina. So you're, you're probably thinking that my husband and I, we were living in Charlotte, North Carolina mm-hmm. for about eight years, but we are back home in Charleston, South Carolina. Oh, wonderful. So, well, when, yes. when your PR uh, person, who's amazing, they do amazing work over yes, there. Yes, so sweet. When she told me um, you would be coming from the Carolinas, I, I got my Carolinas confused. And, oh, it's totally fine. <laughs> and I'll be honest, I think South Carolina might be my favorite because... I feel like they they do, I don't know, I could be wrong, I feel like they do ribs better <laughs> the further well, south you get. That's funny. Well, um, my husband would be a better um, person to talk to about ribs. I'm a good Jewish girl, so I don't eat pork. Yeah, but, um, yeah, okay. But, uh, and I kind of just dabble, dabble in meat, sort of. I'm, I'm very pregnant, so my, um, my pregnant self has been craving meat a lot more than my normal self. <laughs> um, yeah. but yes, but I hear, I hear our barbecue and ribs are amazing. Well, here's the funny thing. I'm from Canada. And, um, when I, we have like different phrasings for things. And when, when I say barbecue, I think of the actual grill, but I've been told in the South, no, that's, that's grilling. Like it, hamburgers and hot dogs or Oh like, yeah, that's grilling. Yeah. That's grilling. Barbecue yes. is like the smoker and the, the whole like shebang, right? Right. Well, I, I guess just when I think of barbecue, I think of, this is probably terrible, but I just think of going to a restaurant where they serve barbecue and it's usually like pulled pork. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, it's, it's, um, not, it's something that's out of limits. Yeah. Or, um, I mean, barbecue chicken is delicious um, for me, but yeah. <laughs> My husband is obsessed with barbecue though. Barbecue, oh, he likes the, the, the meat and the collard greens and... You know, anything very Southern, barbecue and sides. He loves it. Well, guitars and barbecue for your husband, I feel like we'd be yes, really good friends. Exactly. <laughs> well, I want to ask more about your heritage in a minute, but you uh, yes. you were telling me you're seven months pregnant right now. Yes. So um, I am currently a few days away from 30 weeks. Okay. So we are, um, it's really starting to sink in now that we are about to have a second child outside of my body that we have to take care of. Yeah. Um, but so, so excited. We, uh, we have a daughter who is 20 months and, um, I'm not getting any younger. So we said, let's just pop out a couple right in a row. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it has just been so magical watching her grow up these past 20 months and she has the sweetest personality. Um, she has a sense of humor. I mean, I'm 
every single day she she entertains us. I mean, we don't even need TV anymore. She's like yeah. the best best source of entertainment. Yeah. Um, so the fact that we're having a second daughter, we are just over the moon excited about it. Um, and it's been just like really cool too because we're about to release this album, and so it kind of feels like we're birthing something. I'm birthing something in the physical and in the spiritual, I feel wow, like. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, and that, that actually got prophesied over our family for 2019. So that was exciting. Um, I don't know, That's just so an incredible. exciting thing to look forward to. So, yeah. Well, lots of good changes. And, and like, and yes. I'm really excited because I've been able to hear some of the music you've released already. Um, and uh, and we'll talk a little bit about that at the end. But, but tell me about, uh, about growing up. Because you you mentioned you hinted at um, your your heritage and and being a Jew, uh, Jewish descent and Jewish heritage and yes. um, tell me a little bit about about that and and I guess for like lack of better ter- terms tell me how all that works and how um, <laughs> and how that relates to your life and and sort of where that all comes from. Yeah, so um, so I identify as a Jewish believer or a Messianic Jew, and. Um, Basically, for me, I I grew up. My father my father was born Jewish, and my mother converted to Judaism when they got married. My mother was raised Christian, and um, and so she converted. And so I have you know two Jewish parents. My they had they had me. They had my little sister, and uh, a few years in, um, my mom just really felt like something was missing. And, uh, so I had that conversation with my dad and, and from, you know, what I hear, it was a, it was a really, really tough conversation that, you know, I, I know I promised to raise our girls Jewish, but I really want to teach them about Jesus and I want them to know, um, what I believe. And, um, so my dad, you know, he had a really hard time with that. Um, and so my dad uh, was a runner um, I say was because I lost my dad to cancer at tw- when I was 20. Um, so he, he passed away um, in 2000, uh, 2004. Um, I can't do the math, so it's been a while now. Um, and uh, so my dad was a runner, and we, we grew up near the beach in Charleston, and so he would love to run on the beach. And, and he went for a run one day, and he prayed, you know, God, my family, some crazy stuff is happening in my family right now. And, and I don't agree with, with what my wife is saying. And I don't want to break up our family. I love my kids. I love my wife. I need, I need your guidance. I need you to reveal yourself to me. And over the next few months, um, my dad, you know, told us that the Lord just started to reveal himself to my dad in miraculous ways. Um, whether it was sending people in his life to, for maybe for the first time, share about their, their faith in Jesus, Yeshua is his Hebrew name. Um, even down to the fact that my dad loved to listen to, um, music in his car and, his stereo in his car had actually blown and, um, he couldn't get, I'm really going to date this. He he couldn't get any of his tapes to play in his car. (laughs) And (laughs) so, um, he actually had a, a few Billy Graham tapes that a friend of his had just given to him. And it was the only tape that he could find that would play in his car. And his, his story was that Billy Graham's voice was speaking to him 
like out of a tiny little speaker right next to his ear. And so um, he tried every single music tape that he had and nothing would play and that was the only thing that would play. And so he was forced to listen to it for a few weeks until he was able to get the car fixed. But, um, but yeah, just over those next few months to a year, he um, started to have all these great conversations and started to read the New Testament for himself. And, um, and then I was going to say legend has it, <laughs> but story has it that he returned to the beach and uh, got on his knees and asked uh, Jesus, Yeshua, into his heart um, for himself. And so... Thus started a very, very interesting and cool journey for our family. Um, what does it mean to be Jewish and believe in Jesus? Yeah, that's um, what I'm really curious about. How do um, yeah, like what does how that look the like? Two, um, I guess tradi- traditions and practices intersect um, for, like, in a practical sense for your life. Yeah, so um, for the next couple of years, we dabbled in attending a few churches, and we and we also tried some um, Messianic Jewish congregations, and we also were a part of our local synagogue, uh, conservative synagogue as well, traditional for traditional Judaism. Um, and uh, I was in Hebrew school at the time, studying for my bat mitzvah. Um, and also, you know, attending church and learning about Jesus. And so, it was really, really fun, but also hard at times to kind of get the best of, of these, of both cultures. Um, I'll never forget a day I, I, I came to Hebrew school and it was, um, during the holiday season and I like to blame my mom for this, but, um, <laughs> she forgot that I was wearing, um, a Christmas sweatshirt that said, Jesus is the reason for the season. And, and I'm uh, walking into Hebrew school. And so I was, I was asked to kindly leave (laughs) or please remove, or please remove your sweatshirt. Um, and so that was a very, very interesting day for me, but, uh, but no, it was, it was just a, a journey of, of trying to figure out what that meant for our family. Um, and so we, as a family, we felt called to uh, start our own Messianic congregation in Charleston, a place where um, Jewish believers and Gentiles could worship Jesus, Yeshua together. Mm. And so um, for years, our family, um, we were the leaders of, of this little congregation. It actually started in our living room. And, you know, eventually grew um, enough to where we were able to get like a little storefront somewhere and, and meet together as a congregation. But I love to think back on those times. My, um, my first volunteer role in ministry was parking cars. I was a little girl wearing a reflector, like a reflective vest. And I think I had some sort of like pink Disney baton and I was basically like parking cars on our street, um, waving them in. And so I like to, I like to think that my first ministry role was, was on the parking team. Um, but I I was the parking team, (laughs) but I was also part of the parking team. Um, so yeah, so it was, it was such a cool upbringing because obviously, um, we we worship and we adore uh, the King of the Jews, Jesus, Yeshua, our Messiah. And so he came to um, fulfill the prophecy of the Old Testament. I mean, he is the Messiah that the Jewish people have been waiting for. And, mm-hmm. um, and so it's such a special thing that our family um, has been able to celebrate our heritage and understand how that 
uh, or understand how believing and, and feeling completed by Jesus um, just enriches and, and completes our faith and, and, and how that ties into our heritage. Um, so yeah, so I don't even really call myself, I, some people are confused, like they, I might not necessarily say like, I am a Christian because I'm not, I'm a Jewish believer. That's who I am. And yeah. the, the new Testament talks about Jews and Gentiles are one in, in Jesus and mm-hmm. we're, we're grafted in together through the olive tree. And so, um, so yeah, so that's who I am. My husband is, is a Christian and born, uh, born and raised Christian. And so we're excited to, um, raise our, our daughters, um, understanding the roots of their Jewish heritage and also what that means to, um, be believers in Jesus. Yeah, that, that's beautiful. I'm, I'm, a, I have a question that I'm kind of curious about yeah. because, and, um, I used to work way, way back in the day when I was a young musician trying to pay the bills uh, when I was not traveling. I was like maybe 20 years old. I used to work for this pest control company. Like awesome. I was the bug man. <laughs> Love which, it. Which, I mean, was awesome because it That's gave a me a challenging company. job. I mean, you probably had to crawl in some very scary places. Oh, there's some, there's a reason why there's certain restaurants in parts of town in, in Toronto I will not eat at. Oh uh, my goodness. I, just, I know too much and <laughs> I don't, it's, yeah, we're not going to go down there right now, but um, <laughs> one of the downsides was having to pick up my wife for our first date in a truck that has pest control all over the side of it. But uh, That's funny. I guess it worked out, but the owner of the company, he was um, a devout uh, Jew and a very traditional Jew in the sense that... Um, as you know, I think sundown on Friday, uh, all the way through the Sabbath was adhered right. to. He wasn't even able to pick up a phone. Yeah. And I remember one time I got a call, um, or my dad or someone got a call because my dad had also worked for the company. And we're thinking, isn't it your Sabbath? And he says, well, no, I'm not holding the phone. I had the taxi driver call it and I'm on speakerphone. So technically I'm okay. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was, but that Hardcore. was. It was hardcore. <laughs> so is there any aspects of the law or the Sabbath or, or any of those really traditional aspects that have made their way into your, um, your spiritual journey? Well, yeah. I mean, like I, like I mentioned at the beginning of, of our conversation, I, um, one thing that I've always felt pretty strongly about was, uh, uh, keeping kosher in, you know, mm-hmm. is, is, is the best that I can. And I don't, I don't mean like I have separate dishes or anything like that in my house for milk and meat, but, mm-hmm. um, but I just feel that, um, you know, as a, as a Jewish woman, um, it is, uh, it's a good witness for me to, um, to be kosher, to not eat pork, um, and some other things. And I feel like that, you know, just gives me an opportunity and, and also to celebrate um, high holy days, like fasting on Yom Kippur. I'm not fasting for my salvation. I'm not fasting to be written in the book of life that day, but I am fasting to honor my heritage right. and so that I'm able to have a very real conversation with a Jewish person and um, a traditional Jewish person who doesn't believe in Jesus and and say, you know, believing in Jesus doesn't make you not Jewish anymore. It just completes mm-hmm. you. It makes you more yes. Jewish than ever. And so by continuing to um, honor some of the um, special things that the Lord has set aside for the Jewish people, um, I feel like I'm able to um, almost have more of a voice to speak into into uh, the life of, of a traditional Jewish person. And so I have lots and lots of family members who... Um, 
who, you know, don't believe in Jesus and they're super supportive of me and my family and, uh, they love us so much and they say, you know, your beliefs are yours and ours are ours and that's totally fine, but we're family and we love each other. And I'm super blessed and very lucky to, to have that experience with my family. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it, for me, honestly, it's just been, um, just such a fun way to grow up, to get, to really understand, uh, you know, Jesus is, is, was Jewish and that's the culture that he was raised in. And so any glimpse into that, you know, into, into understanding him better is, is special to me. Well, I think that's, that's really special because that's what we see in the new Testament, um, where, where the apostles would, would go into those cultures and honor those cultures, but yet show them the completion of it and, and be, uh, be the light to that. So that's, that's something that, um, you know, I wonder if if we kind of can lose a little bit in the modern church that we um, can uh, almost become so preoccupied uh, with converting uh, atheists or um, right. agnostics that uh, there there's a whole lot of people who are almost there <laughs> that that need you know need to hear about the completion of of their faith. Yes, totally. And that's awesome that that's a call on your life. And and so you yeah. made you grew up in. Um, a messianic uh, Jewish culture and a, yes. a congregation. And then um, tell me a little bit about when you began uh, to realize that you had a voice and that worship was something that uh, that really ministered to you and that was something you could minister to others with. Yeah. So I grew up in a family of uh, pretty much if you didn't sing in our family, it was kind of like you were weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, so everybody in my family, both sides, everyone sings. And, uh, so Thanksgiving and holidays, uh, Christmas, Hanukkah, whatever it was that we were getting together for. I mean, it was always like one performance after the other talent show. It was just very performing arts family. Um, and so growing up in music was very, very normal for me. Uh, both of my parents were worship leaders. Um, they not only led worship in our congregation, but, um, throughout the years we, uh, of, of just kind of like figuring out, um, the path to what was best for our family. As far as a congregation, we were a part of a couple different churches and, um, yeah, just got a lot of really cool experiences in different congregations. And my parents, like I said, were worship leaders. And so I always grew up, um, being a part of worship in some capacity. So it was very, Mm -hmm. very normal, very normal for me as, as this is how, you know, this is one of the ways that we can serve as um, people with with musical gifting, um, and so I uh, loved loved music. And uh, my husband and I, we met and fell in love, and we we were writing uh, music. We had a band, you know. Pers- we, at the time, we were kind of pursuing secular music, but basically just whatever God had for us. Is we were we were open to it, mm. um, and right around the time that we got married, um, in our early twenties, I felt like the Lord spoke to me so clearly and said, um, London worship leading specifically as your career, like as your, you know, ministry role, that's what I have for you. That's not, it's not a plan B. It's not a fallback plan. This is the path that I have for you. And I'll never forget at the time I was pursuing secular music. I was, uh, traveling around with a band. 
I um, was also serving in our church as a worship leader, but mm-hmm. but I definitely kind of like had my um, focus on like what we were doing as a band and just felt like God prompted me to just put all of that aside. And so I did, and um, which was, you know, hard, but it was also exciting. And so we we went to, um, we were newlyweds, and we went to our pastor here in Charleston at Seacoast Church, mm-hmm. um, Pastor Greg Surratt. We went to him and said, Pastor Greg, I really feel like God is calling us to ministry, specifically leading worship in a church capacity. Um, would love to, you know, have opportunities to be raised up. And, and all that good stuff. And so over the next year and a half, felt like um, God taught me a lot, what it means to be a worship leader, how to, how to, you know, because if, you, if you're in secular music, there's a performance aspect yes. of it. How to, how to where, where does performance, like wh- where is there a place for performance in worship? Like really learning that as a young, as a young uh, 20-something. And so um, that's a, that takes a lot of years, especially if you've been in the performing arts your whole life. It takes a lot right. of years to understand how to not be performing, but how to be like genuinely like leading people in worship. And so, um, so yeah, I just had some invaluable experience and life lessons. And about a year and a half into that, um, we had the opportunity to uh, go on staff at Elevation Church with with our current pastor and church's blessing. They sent us off in love, and we were up in Charlotte, um, a part of Elevation Worship for eight years, mm-hmm. and then um, got pregnant with our daughter, Tilly, and um, felt really, really strongly that the Lord said, I am preparing you for something new, and I'm I'm you're, you're about to step into a new season. And so my husband and I were like, well, yeah, of course, parenthood, motherhood, right. <laughs> that's, that's the new season. We're ready. We're excited. Um, but it became very clear to us on the same day at the exact same time, we feel like the Lord spoke to both of us and said, um, I need you to step away from your position at elevation. And that was probably, if not the hardest decision, decision, one of the hardest decisions of our lives, um, especially being seven and a half months pregnant, who quits their job and who, and then has their husband quit his job too? <laughs> you know, it was like craziness. <laughs> well, well, I'll tell you, this guy did that as well. So I completely Oh, so relate. you can relate. Except, I'm so glad. Except we had two kids at the time. And, um, oh, man. and then the Lord told us to move to Nashville, Tennessee from Toronto. Wow. And, uh, and we're still sitting here kind of going, God, why are we here? But, yes. um, but, but there's like a healthy anticipation, right? Yeah. Were there, um, as you were doing that and kind of getting ready to transition, um, what were the things that just kept you going? You know, for us, it would be, um, little, you know, when you're kind of waiting for the large miracle, God sends you little miracles along the way. Totally. Just mm-hmm. kind of go, okay, that gives me strength for another week or another month. Uh, tell me about some of that, some things that maybe encouraged you along the way as you as you began to make one of the biggest decisions of your life. Yeah, well, we, um, you know, and I, I'm, I'm just not, I'm just not that person. Like I am the person that, I mean, we, I feel like we had it planned out to a T and 
you know, we had, we had just purchased a home a few years prior. Um, we had the nursery all set up. We had a little tiny, you know, nest egg savings account ready for becoming parents. I mean, we were just like, I, I just felt like we had, you know, followed this little checklist of how to, to prepare your, yourself mm-hmm. to be a parent. And God just like said, throw out the playbook. And we, we did. And it was terrifying, but it was also exhilarating and, and freeing at the same time. We, um, you know, when you step away from, when you step away from a ministry that you've been a part of and a part of help, you know, we were a part of help helping like grow the ministry, um, mm-hmm. for years and years and years, it becomes part of your identity. And so stepping away from that, not being able to anticipate, you know, is this going to be received? Well, is this going to be, are we going to feel cut off from a lot of our community? What yeah. is this going to be like? It's really, really scary. And so, um, and especially being big and pregnant and emotional, like that's the last thing mm-hmm. you want to do is like add more emotion to the mix. But, um, you know, even though parts of it were so hard and parts of it were probably the hardest, one of the hardest things that we've ever walked through in our marriage and in our lives, honestly, um, God just gave us such an overwhelming sense of peace and freedom. Mm. And I think that I didn't realize, I realized it, but it, but when you're running full steam ahead for you know, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, eight years in a row, like you never really being able to stop up or to come up for air. Ministry is messy. It's just busy and it's messy. And, um, I think I didn't realize how much I needed to take a break, how much I needed to rest. I didn't realize all the ways in which I was like, so burned out. I was just creatively, creatively stifled. I was spiritually just not in a good place. And, but I didn't, I didn't even realize it in some ways. I probably realized it, but in other ways, I just, you you just want to pretend that, you know, everything's okay, that you can keep going. And, and it wasn't until we, we followed the Lord's voice and his prompting and we stepped away that we were able to really take a deep breath for the first time in a long time. And over the next few months of, of bringing our daughter into the world and becoming parents, um, this is really crazy to say, but I felt more rested becoming a new mom than I had felt in almost a decade. And that's a pretty crazy thing to say, because I know that you always hear like your first year of parenthood is your most exhausting year. But honestly, for us, it was like, we got the most rest that we'd had in a really long time. And we were so, so thankful that God, that was one, like you said, that was one of those little ways, little miraculous things that he gave us in the midst of becoming parents. He gave us time to breathe. He gave us space to be creative again, time to really hear his voice and make space to hear his voice. And, um, so he was, I feel like he was like really taking me to the back to the foundation of my faith. Like, what does it mean to be a daughter of, of, of our King? What does it mean to be his child? What does it mean to be loved by him? What does that truly, truly look like? And also it gave me, it gave me some space to examine what lies have been spoken over me. What negative things have been spoken over us as a family that I need to, um, 
cast out that I need to, in Jesus' name, say that is a lie and I do not mm-hmm. believe that. I do not align myself. I do not, I'm no, no longer in agreement with that lie that was spoken over me because God's word, you know, he says these things about me. He, these are his truths. This is what, this is what scripture says about who he created me to be. And so for me, that was just like, I don't know. I, I felt like I was like back in school again or something, but it was like the sweetest school ever. It was just like, like the Holy Spirit was like my personal tutor, right, <laughs> you know, right. it was just such a really awesome time. And, and bringing our, our first child into the world, there's nothing like realizing how much you can love another human and then trying to fathom how much more our Heavenly Father loves us. It's just mind-blowing. I mean, holding my daughter and, and knowing, you, I mean, you are the actual, you are, you are actually my heart living outside of my body. I could not love you anymore if I tried. Every single day I love you more and more. And I can't even believe that God's love for me and love for my daughter and love for my husband, I can't even believe how much more he loves us because he is love. He is the definition of love. Um, so, yeah. So, I, I mean, I can't say enough how sweet and wonderful this last, it's been almost two years now since we resigned. And it's been just probably the most like spiritually enlightening two years of our lives. And I'm super grateful for for this time that we've been given. Yeah, that's incredible. And, you know, I, I wanted to ask you a little bit about that journey. Yeah. Cause I, I mean, I had, I, I knew that you were really involved. I knew you were a writer, but you've written some of my favorite songs uh, oh, in, thank in you. a lot of my journey. And I'll tell you more about one of the particular songs uh, after we finish up the interview. But uh, written songs um, like Last Word, Nothing is Wasted, Give Me Faith, Grace Like a Wave, and, and you awesome. know, part of, part of uh, you know, just a wealth of great writers. Uh, that came out of that church. And let me, I want to ask you, when did you kind of start realizing that you had something to say uh, that would be inked, not just sung? You know what I mean? There's like that moment in which you kind of realize that not only do I have a voice to sing and to lead people in worship, but I have a voice to write songs for the global church, or I have something, something to contribute to the global church and the culture of worship. When did you sort of go, oh, wow, okay, this is this is something that, that I want to do and am able to do? Well, I think, I think when, when you have um, a, a calling on your life as a writer, as a songwriter, um, a gifting in that area, I think it's something that you just can't help but do. Whether you're writing, you know, whether you're just writing a song that you're, that you're just going to sing by yourself in your room to the Lord. Um, I think that, that some of our most beautiful times of worship and writing, um, are those like really intimate moments with the Lord. And I started to write songs at about 16 years old and, um, they weren't always necessarily like worship songs or about God. They Mm -hmm. were just about you know, the emotions of my heart, the emotions, whatever I was going through at the time. Um, I lost my dad to cancer when I was 20 and I found songwriting to be very therapeutic during that time. My dad battled cancer for 13 years. So from the time I was a little girl until I was 20, he, you know, most, most of my life, I guess, I guess I was eight when he, seven or eight, when he got diagnosed, and then he passed away when I was 20, almost 21. And um, 
it was a hard, it was a hard journey, especially those last few years of, of how sick he was and going through chemo and getting a bone marrow transplant and all the different things that we had to do as a family to support him in, um, in this challenge. Uh, songwriting was, was something that I could turn to, to express the sadness and, um, and just the questions and the doubts that I had, the fears that I had. And so songwriting has always been super special to me in that way. Um, but it probably wasn't until my, um, twenties, my, you know, when I felt really called to, to lead worship, when I felt like God said, this is what I have for you, that I was able to, um, redirect those, um, I guess, redirect that gifting into, uh, specifically writing, um, worship for, for, for the church. And Mm. I, I count it just such a privilege to get to write, to get to write words and melodies that people will sing as they're crying out to the Lord, um, whether it's in their car or in their house or in their congregation, wherever they are. It's such a a special thing to to write from a place of, hey, we're not, you're not alone. I I feel just as hurt and broken as you do at times, mm-hmm. and I've I've had, you know, a crazy amount of challenges and have had to walk through a lot of different things in my own life. And God, these are the words that I need to cry out to you in my personal time of, of prayer and worship with you. And the fact that I would get to share those words with someone else to hopefully help them have a voice in those moments, um, is just so, so special. And so, um, I don't think it was ever like a moment, a light bulb moment where I was like, Oh, I'm going to start writing songs for the church. It was never right. like that. It was just kind of like a journey of, of, I can't help but write songs. I can't help, but I, God, I feel like I wake up in the morning sometimes with a few lines of lyrics on my lips, on my mouth. Like they're just coming out. Um, the song that, that we released as our first single, Jesus Only You, I woke up one morning and I was saying this out loud. I was saying, only you can make it right again. Only you can make me whole again. And it was coming from a place of crying out to the Lord for emotional healing and for spiritual awakening, spiritual healing. Um, And I knew that I need to cry out these words to God in worship. And I was fortunate enough to um, be able to get with a few friends and, and, and write a worship song around that concept that, that God, you are higher than the heavens. I can find healing in your presence. You're the one that I run to Jesus, only you, you know, it comes from Psalm eight, your glorious, his glory is higher than the heavens. It's basically the concept that like the God of the universe, the, the one whose power and majesty is, is beyond what we can, what beyond what we can imagine He's still the God who is close enough to hear and see and help our every need. He's the one that heals us. He's the one that we can turn to in those moments of despair. And so, um, honestly, that's like been the theme of all of, all of these songs that we've been writing in this last season have just been, you know, we're not alone, but all around us, people are hurting. We're hurting other people's, other people are hurting and, and, um, 
God, you, you are our great healer. You can make it right again. You're the one who can restore anything that's broken, anything that's hurting, anything that's been taken from us, any lie that's been spoken over us. God, you can restore that and you can make it right again. Well, I love that because like, I love how you just even talked about where the song came from because um, for, for people listening that, that are maybe not uh, in the music, uh, quote unquote, scene or industry yeah there's this this kind of weird thing that happens when when songs get written is that you set up a co-write and you set up an appointment and then you walk in a room and you kind of shake hands with other people you know or don't know and you kind of go okay what are we going to write about today and then you like build this thing and like sometimes it's in a studio or a boardroom or wherever it is right and it can sometimes be this very official type i feel like i just went for like you know like a you know therapy therapy appointment and then just walked out and then okay there's a song done and, but there's <laughs> also and but that's not always the case but there's also some incredible times where songs just feel like they just fell and then you just yes. needed somebody to help you better communicate what you were trying to say or exactly or add something tell me about something uh from from the new record uh that that maybe kind of felt like that that it just it just fell at the right time it wasn't set up and it was just a god moment wow oh my gosh i feel like um so this this record has 10 songs and i feel like i could honestly give you an example of that from every single one um but one that i'm going to highlight is uh it's called shepherd and it's the third track on the album and um it was really hard for me honestly to not release shepherd as a single i i'm i this song is so special to me. Um, but we, uh, we made the decision, let's just save it, save it for the album release. Um, so this, that song is, is the prime example of what you were just saying. Uh, basically went through a, a really, really hard moment during our transition and without getting into the details of it, felt like the Lord put, um, the Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want that, that Psalm, Psalm 23. Mm. And, uh, and just put that on my heart. And I mean, I couldn't stop singing it, like saying it, singing it. We actually grew up in, um, in our congregation. We, we had, um, a version of that Psalm that could just be sung straight through, like it was put to melody. And so, um, I couldn't stop singing it like this, this old melody from, from when I was younger and I couldn't stop thinking about it. I couldn't stop thinking about sermons that had been preached on this passage. And, um, little did I know that the very next day I was going to go through something that I needed those words to get through so bad. <laughs> and I'll never forget it was just like the mo one of the most God ordained things that's that's ever happened to me. Where I knew immediately, that's why you've put this passage on my heart, and and why I can't get it out of my head. Why I've been reflecting on it for the last twenty four mm -hmm. hours. It's because I need it desperately in this moment, and so it was very significant for me. And this entire writing process of writing for this album, I have been like so desperate to write a song based out of that experience and out of that chapter. And, um, it, it's so funny. It wasn't until the very last writing session that we had like actually scheduled on the books for this project that a song about that Psalm came to life. 
and and it's called Shepherd. And uh, uh, Brian Fowler and Lindsay Sweat, two amazing writers who mm-hmm. actually got to co-write a few songs on this record with, um, have become great friends of ours and just super, super talented, wonderful, genuinely sincere, wonderful people. Um, got in a room with them and it, I'll never forget, like, I remember Lindsay brought in an, an idea. I brought in some stuff. Brian has some stuff. And as we were starting, I said, oh, my gosh, this is this is the moment. I'm finally getting a song about Psalm 23. It's happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it felt so right. And it felt so just like, like almost like the Lord knew, like he, he was saving it for this, like, really sweet moment of, like, Jesus Only You was the first song we wrote. Shepherd is the last song we wrote for this album. And it was like, it was almost like he bookended the whole process with these two very significant special moments. And so, um, yeah, Shepherd is, is, um, basically just like, it's almost just like a, a thank you to the Lord for, um, you are the one that has, led me out of the darkness and you have guided me every step of the way and you have um you have restored and refreshed my soul and you have given me a place to feel safe and even though I walk you know even though I, even though I'm in the valley like yeah. I don't have to be afraid because I know you're with me I know you're right beside me and your faithfulness I, is just so tangible and so anyways the song is super super special and um, kind of a cool, like, little fun fact, we uh, we finished writing the song, and it came really quick. Like, it was one of those songs that I think we wrote it in, like, two hours, like, super fast, two, wow. or three, two or three hours. And we were kind of all just, like, sitting there almost like, did this just happen? Like, we were just so, it was just so profound and so special for all three of us that um, Brian said, get, get on the mic and let's just record your vocal right now. And so we, we literally wrote the song and then I just walked right up to the mic and tracked my vocal. So the vocal that we have on the album is, is the like vocal that was the rough, kind of like the rough recording of your demo, you know, and then you go back in the studio and you re-record it. Well, that did not happen. It was just raw, very emotional. I was like fighting back tears a lot while singing it. Um, and that was it. And so anyways, all that to say that, that was a super, super special writing experience for me. That's just an incredible story because your new album, new stories, it's out now. You can download on iTunes, you can stream it. One of the things I think is just super important, um, because some people are like, I don't know what to do with a CD anymore. Right. Or, (laughs) or, you know, I have a streaming platform. I want to encourage our listeners to either go purchase a CD or go get it on iTunes and, and make the purchase to Thank invest you. in yes. the ministry of, of London Gatch. But then, you know, if it's more convenient, just save it to your Spotify thing as well. Totally. But go purchase it and support the ministry. And uh, we really believe in that. And I usually ask the artists to give us a song to close out uh, the conversation. But I feel like we just really need to close this conversation with the song Shepherd. Oh, thank uh, you. Because if it bookends your album, I feel like it's going to bookend this conversation pretty well as well. So uh, I want to thank you so much, London. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today on the Beyond the Music podcast. My pleasure. Thank you.
And I cannot wait to fully dive into this album a little bit more. And uh, so closing this off, this is Shepherd by London Gatch here on the Beyond the Music podcast. You planted me a seed of passion and vision of beautiful things you dream for me. Huge thank you again to our guest today, London Gatch. Thank you for joining us on the Beyond the Music podcast. I'm your host, Josh McCabe. Thanks for listening. Make sure you check out the show notes for some playlists, some links, and some other great content. We'll see you again next time. Yeah.